How's everybody doing? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Gotta remember to turn the switch on. I'd like to uh, turn to Mark chapter 12 this morning. I was uh, thinking of this passage, and, and uh, you know it's funny. Each time you read God's word, you get something new and different out of it, and, and, and uh, it's something that blesses you every time you read it. And, um, it's, it impresses me that God constructed our Bible so that there's so much information out there, but yet it all, it all drives together. It all fits. So I'd like us to uh, look in, in uh, Mark chapter 12. And uh, let's just start with verse 18. It says, Some Sadducees, who says there, uh, that there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and began questioning him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves behind a wife and leaves no child, his brother should marry the wife and raise up children to his brother. There were seven brothers, and the, the first took a wife and died, leaving no children. And the second one married her and died, leaving no children, and the third likewise. And so all seven left no children. Last of all, the woman died also. In the resurrection, when they rise again, which one's wife will she be? For all seven had married her. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm finding this story just a little bit hard to, to swallow. This sounds like a riddle, doesn't it? It sounds like a setup. And so, you know, Jesus being Jesus, he's got this figured out. You know, he, he knows what's going on. And uh, it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, some sort of a trap. And so, this verse 24, Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are, you are mistaken, that you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God? Ooh, that's a, you know, that's a pretty good slam. And then, I mean, these guys are supposed to know everything. You know, these, these are the, the, uh, the spiritual leaders of Israel, you know? Is it not the reason you are mistaken that you do not understand the scriptures or the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. But regarding the fact that the dead rise again, I love that, you know, just, it just drives it home. The fact that the dead rise again, have you not read in the book of Moses in the passage about the burning bush how God spoke to him saying, I am the, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are greatly mistaken. So Jesus really put them in their place. You know, and you would think that that would just totally annihilate you know, or, or uh, alienate uh, him from from everyone around him, all the, all the real um, high-level uh, religious people, all the, all the leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. But verse 28 says this, One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing <clears throat> that Jesus had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? You know, the, what's the most important one? What's the foremost of all? And Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is, there is no other commandment greater than these. You know, after Jesus had put the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees uh, in their place, uh, everyone around him pretty much realized that you don't challenge Jesus because you will lose. And so I don't, I don't think this guy was really trying to 
to trap Jesus or, or trying to, you know, uh, pull a fast one or anything. I think he actually wanted to know. And, and Jesus, you know, Jesus obliged him. He said, the foremost is, the most important commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your, your mind, and with all your strength. And then I think it's interesting that, you know, the guy asked him this, this uh, whatever he was, some sort of, re- of a religious leader, whether a scribe or a Pharisee, I'm not sure. But what was his, what was his point? What, did, what was he trying to say? What's the number one? I want to know what the number one is. What did Jesus give him? He gave him two, right? He gave him two answers. He says, first, you shall love the Lord your God uh, you know, with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. But then what was the other one? He says, the second is this. Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And we often talk about that here, and, I, and I'm glad we do, and, I, and it's very important, isn't it, that we, that we emphasize that we are to love each other, that we are to, to love our, our neighbors. And who's, a, who's our neighbor? Well, that's anybody, you know. We, we are to love everyone that we come in contact with. We are to, to share God's love with them. But I, I find it interesting that Jesus, you know, he gave, he gave both answers. He, he, because not, not that he was saying these, these both are the same or equal, right? He said, number one is that you love God. That was, that was the number one thing. The second one is, is, is important, not as, not as important as loving God, but that you should love your neighbor. And there's no commandments greater than these. So if you get these two commandments down, you really got it, right? I mean, these are, these are, these are important. You, know, you think of all the commandments that are written in God's word. And, and Jesus boiled it down to two commandments. Love God and love mankind. Love uh, your neighbor. And so, how much are we supposed to love God? You know, I, and, I'm, and I'm not pointing at you guys. I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. What's it say? It says, and you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, I, I think there's, there's probably a lot of people that can say, you know what? I, I, I love God. You know I, you know, I love him with all my heart. Well, that's good, but you know what? Even if you love him 100% with all your heart, how much is that? That's really only 25%, isn't it? Because it's 100% of, of four things. It's, it's 100% of 25%, which still comes out 25%. <laughs> you know? That's only, that's only a portion of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. What's, what is our heart? Our heart is, is like, a, I think of it as, as our emotions. And, and how do we love him? We love him with our thankfulness. Our soul that's, that's like our willpower. Uh, to me, that's, that's our determination, our focus, our, our purpose in life. What's our mind? Our, our mind is the intellectual part of us, the, the part that looks at God's word and, and, and starts to look for the facts and starts to look for how these facts differ than what the world's teaching us. You know, we, we realize, and, and I hope we always understand that God's word is right. Man's uh, rules and his uh, science aren't always right, right? Ma- man's science, you know, man's science uh, used to think that the world was flat and 
man, science used to think that to cure people, you, you drain the blood out of them. You know, there's, there's a, a, a hundred things that man's science has, been, has eventually been proven wrong. And with all our strength. And I think of, I think of you know, when you go to help somebody, you're using your strength to help them. You know, whether it's, you know, uh, picking somebody up that, that, that maybe uh, needs a ride to church or something or, or, or physically helping somebody that's, that's got some problems to, to physically uh, help them. I think of, you know, people who, who counsel at Bible camp and stuff, you know. Man, you talk about physical strength, you know, that, that takes it out of you, you know. It's a lot of work. It's, it's, it's not just uh, um, emotional or that sort of thing. It it's, uh, requires physical strength. So, but getting back to the, the foremost commandment, and that is that we are to love God with our, with our heart and our soul, our, our mind, our strength. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is two things, two questions. Why and how? Why should we love God? And how should we love God? And so I was looking through uh, several uh, passages, uh, Old Testament, and I love Deuteronomy because it is full of, of good reasons to love God. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 39 says this, Know therefore today, and take it to your heart, that the Lord, He is God, in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. So you shall keep His statutes and His commandments, which I am giving you th- today, that it may go well with you and your children after you, and that you may live long on the land uh, which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. You know, there's a, there's a cause and effect sort of a thing there, isn't there? We realize that uh, if, we commit, if, we, if we do God's commandments, if we obey him, there's, there's things that will go well for us. And it says here that, that it may go well with you and with your children after you. Who doesn't want something good for their children? You know, I think we all want something good for our children, don't we? We all want to help our children. We certainly don't want to do anything that would harm them. So we want to help them. And this is, this is one of the ways that we can help our children is to tell them about God. Deuteronomy 6, which is where these, um, the verse about um, uh, loving God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and and um, strength comes from uh, Deuteronomy 6, starting with verse 1, says, Now this is the true commandment, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you're uh, going to possess it, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God, to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you in the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. I love that. The fact that we are to be an example, not only to our sons, but to our grandsons. And I'm sure we can extrapolate that to great-grandsons, and, you know, uh, and I don't mean just males, I mean, f- and females, uh, grandchildren, you know. We are to be examples to many generations out, as far as we can, right, of, of what we believe and why. And that they might know the fear of the Lord. Now, when we think of fear, it's not, it's not always this, you know, I'm scared thing, right? Fear can be a, a show of honor, a show of respect, um, reverence for God. And that's really what we're talking about here is that we are to show that we, that we reverence God, that we hold him in very, very high esteem. 
He says that our days will be prolonged and it may be well with us. Uh, verse 3, O Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons. Do we teach God's word diligently to our children? I hope so. Um, I don't think I did as, as well as I should have, you know. And I, and I think that that's, um, you know, and, and my son's still alive and my, my grandkids are still alive. And so I still have opportunity to be uh, a testimony to them, a, a, a better testimony than, than I've been. You shall teach them j- diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Wow. Do we show our love of God to our, to our kids and to our family and to our neighbors and everything with that kind of dedication? Think of that. Think of that dedication. It says that you're supposed to be talking about him when you're sitting, when you're standing, when you're, when you're getting ready to go, to go to bed, and when you rise up. Everything, you know, at all times. It's, it says it's even supposed to be almost like a, like a billboard on your forehead. I love God. You know, it's too bad you don't have one of those LED things scrolling, I love God, you know. I mean, that's, that's the sort of billboard we should be, you know. We should be telling others about Christ and, and showing God's love. It might make a difference, you know? I guarantee it will. Isaiah 43, verse 10. You are my witnesses, declare the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And there is no Savior besides me. You know, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have no other hope. No other opportunity. He is the one and only. The God that we serve is it. There is no one besides. You can can put your faith and trust in anything else you want, but it's not going to do you any good. There is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed and there was no strange God among you, so that you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And I am God, even from eternity I am he. And there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? You know, that's, that's who our God is, isn't he? He's, he has no beginning, no end. He's eternal. He, there's none that can deliver out of, out of his hand. There's nobody that can pluck you out of his hand, Right? There's nobody that can take us away from God. He puts things in motion, and you can't stop it. You cannot reverse it. That's what it says right here. I act, and who can reverse it? Isaiah 44. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and there is no God besides me. Who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare it. 
Yeah, let somebody stand up and say, yeah, I'm God. I'm, I'm as good as God. I think Hitler did that, didn't he? It seemed like he did. I don't think it worked out very good for him. Yes, let him recount it to me in order. From the time that I established the ancient nation, and let them declare to them the things that are coming and the events that are going to take place. You know, false gods cannot know the future, can they? They, they have no idea what's coming. Absolutely not. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced to it to you and declared it, and you are my witnesses? Is there any God besides me, or is there any other rock? I know of none. Isn't that neat? Isn't that cool? There is no other rock besides God. There is nothing else that you can, that you can lay hold of that is immovable, that is as faithful as God. He is our rock. Isaiah 46 says this, Even to your old age I will be the same. <clears throat> Excuse me. And even to your grand years I will bear you. I have done it and I will carry you. And I will bear you and I will deliver you. He will lift us up. He will hold us up. You know, trying to think is that was that Elijah where they held his hands up I can't remember now maybe Moses 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 where they, they had to hold his hands up he couldn't do it but they held his hands up you know and and that's what that's what God does for us isn't it you know when we're weak it's okay he's got us if we let him you know you can't be like a little two-year-old and, and pull back and say you know I do it myself that doesn't work we need God's help I have done it. I will carry you. I will bear you. I will deliver you. To whom would you like liken me and make me equal and compare me that we would be alike? This is verse 6. Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh silver on the scale hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god and they bow down. Indeed, they worship it. They, they lift it upon the shoulder and carry it. They lift up this, this, this idol, this god, and they carry it around. And they set it in its place, and it stands there. You just think of it standing there in its majesty. <laughs> it does not move out of its place. Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer. It cannot deliver him from his distress. You know, an idol, it can't move under its own power. It, has, it, it can't move. It can't talk, and it can't rescue. What good is an idol? Absolutely nothing. An idol is a man-made thing that that people create because they'd, they'd rather worship, a, uh, they'd rather believe a lie than the truth. They'd rather, rather worship an idol than to believe God and to worship God. And so they make these idols for themselves and, and, and they think they, they are, are, are helping by, by making it out of gold or something precious so that, so that it makes it precious. It's, it's not precious. This idol is a piece of junk. It's worthless. I don't care what it's made out of. Remember this, this is verse 8. Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you, tr you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am the Lord and there is no other God. I am God and there is no one like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done. Saying, my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasures. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of, of my purpose from afar country. Truly, I have spoken. Truly, I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely, I will do it. Truly, I have spoken. Truly, I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. Surely, I will do it. 
You know, that's our confidence in God, isn't it? That's what we should have. That's what we should know as a fact. When, when God makes you a promise, he's a promise keeper. He will do what he said. We can take that to the bank. I think of that, great is thy faithfulness, you know? What a great song, because that's exactly what God is. God is faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to him, even when we churn away from him sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we get, we get led astray, we do things that we shouldn't do, and we all know it, we all do it. Yet he remains faithful. We can trust in him. Psalm verse 19 says this, The, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts, or the, the rule of moral conduct, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Do we cherish God's word like that? I hope so. You know, I hope we, we, we appreciate it and cherish what the Lord has done for us and, what, and who he is and what he's done. He's pure, enlightening the eyes. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, completely. He's completely righteous. God doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't do anything that, that is questionable. It's always right. Moreover, by them, this is verse 11, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless. You know, isn't that nice? You know, we all know that we're all sinners, and we, we all fall short of, of God's glory and, and, and his commandments and, and, and his righteousness. But you know what? Since the Lord Jesus came and we can put our faith in him, he has paid our sin debt in full, and we are blameless. We are pure. We have been cleansed. And I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You know what? That's what I want out of my life. I hope you want that out of your life, too, is that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, that my life, that my, my every thought, but that, that my actions might be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Matthew chapter 10 says this, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So do not fear you are more valuable than many sparrows. Don't you love that? That gives you just a, just a small glimpse of who God is and how much he loves you, you know, how much he cares for us, how well he knows us, you know. He knows everything that's going on in your life, and he cares. He wants to help you. He wants to, to be part of your life. That's why, that's why he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul, your mind and your strength. That's what he wants. That's it. There's so much joy in that and so much satisfaction and so much hope in that, so much assurance in that. 
Verse 32 says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. That, that hurts, doesn't it? That, it, it, it? It should bother us a little bit, you know? Why? Because he doesn't like us to have family relations and family closeness? No, no, not at all. Why, why does he say this? It's because you are going to have to make a choice in your life. When you have a sibling or a, or a relative, turn away from God. Are you going to just act as if that's nothing? Are you going to act like, you know what, that's okay. Uh, you're, still, you know, you're still a great person, and, you know, and, and we just won't talk about that. Wrong answer, right? We as Christians are to be the light of this world, and we are to help them in any way that we can to bring them back into fellowship with God, you know? But don't accept it. Don't just say, hey, you know what? That's okay. You know, everybody's entitled to their own thoughts. You know, uh, do you want them to end up in hell? Do we want that? Do we really want that? I, I don't think so. You know, surely we can muster up the courage to say, you know what? There's a, there's a rift between us. There's something that, that, that I serve God. And if you can't serve God, if you can't believe in God, then, then our relationship has changed. We aren't family anymore. Right? Because we're family when we are believing God, aren't we? When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we have been brought into God's family. What a cool thing, right? To, to be part of this huge family that loves God. You know, God demands 100% commitment. He, he, he won't settle. He won't share. He, he, he will not... He's a jealous God. You know, he, he will not tolerate a lukewarm, a half-hearted love for him. He wants us all in. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 1, says, For we know that if this earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with the with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we were in, uh, in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith, don't we? I hope each one of us do. I hope each one of us get up in the morning and and we trust God and and know that he is there and know that he loves us. And we think, what am I going to do to serve God today? How am I going to honor the Lord Jesus Christ with my life today? We walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage. I say and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have this as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 
so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You know, we think of, of these rewards that, that uh, we will be given for, for the deeds that we've done, uh, the things that we've done for Christ. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God. Do we persuade men? I hope we do. I hope sometimes that we, that we share God's word with other people. You know, this world is, is uh, spiraling out of control, and I think we all see it, you know? This world needs God. This world needs the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? We are to be the light of the world. It's, it's up to us. You know, this, this, is, this is what we're here for. This is what we're supposed to be doing, is to tell other people about, about Christ. But we are made manifest to God. We, we are, God knows us. He, he sees us plainly. We are revealed to God. And I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. We are not again commending ourselves to you, but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. For if, you, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. But if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Who are we supposed to live for? Well, it's not supposed to be for ourselves, is it? It says right here. It says, they who, who live might no longer live for themselves. You know, before we knew Jesus Christ as our Savior, before we accepted that free gift of salvation through faith in, in Jesus, we were living for ourselves, right? It's all about us. You know, without, without Christ, it's all about us, right? Without God, if, if we don't put God in his proper place as, as head of our lives, as number one in our lives, then it's all about us. It's whatever we want to do. It's, it's, it's for our own pride. It's our own thing, you know? That's not what we're supposed to, to, to do. We are to live for Christ, for him who died and rose again on our behalf. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the, to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we, we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, things have, new things have come. Has Jesus made a difference in your life? Did, did your life change when you came to know Jesus Christ, your Savior? I hope so. And I, and I hope each one of us can, can look back to a time in our life and we can say, you know what? That's when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. That's when my life changed. That's when I had committed to him. That's when I decided, you know what? He is the answer. To all of life's problems, he's the answer. He's the only answer. Now all things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You know, if, if we had to try to forgive ourselves, or if we, if we tried to have to uh, earn forgiveness for our sins, it's not going to happen. Only the Lord Jesus can forgive sins. It's only in our faith in him that has given us this new life. You know, even though we've, we've all sinned, and we all know it, we all know that we're guilty. He says he won't count those transgressions against us, anybody who has put their faith in Jesus. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are representatives of Christ to this world. What, do, what does the rest of this world see in us? What do they see? Do they see somebody who is defeated? Do they see somebody who is downtrodden, who is, who is bummed out, who is who's just depressed? Or do they see somebody that you know, has got something in their life that they say, you know what, that person's different. Not in a bad way. That person's different. That person, there's something I like about that person. There's, there's something about that person that you can tell there's hope. Because in this world, there is no hope. So any interactions that we have with this world, they should see a difference in us. And they should see, they should say, you know what? I see a hope. I see an assurance in that person that I, I want, that I like. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our, on our behalf. Jesus took our sin on himself that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Second Timothy chapter 3 says this, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will pr- proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. We're all going to have troubles. We, it says right here, we're all going to be persecuted. Somebody is going to laugh at you for being a Christian. Are you ready? Can you handle it? Are you going to let it upset you? Are you going to let it discourage you? Are you going to let it defeat you? I hope not. I hope each one of us have the strength and have the, have the focus and the, the love of God to say, you know what? I, I feel sorry for you, whoever you are, that, that you think this is funny. I feel sorry for you. And I, I'd love to have you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you can laugh all you want. But someday, you're going to find out. Someday, your knee will bow. You know? And that's the thing they, they don't think about. All they're worried about is for their own lives and what it means to them today. They're living for today. And that's the problem. We, we know there's a future. We know there's a heaven. We know there's an eternity, right? And so we, we do have this hope. And we do have this, this assurance and this thankfulness that, you know what? Not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus did. All we've done is, is put our faith in him. That's, and that's all anybody needs to do, you know? That's all anybody needs to do is just put their faith in him. Trust him. He won't let you down. Verse 15, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You want to be ready? You know, you think of these football teams and how they do all this practicing and all this, you know, all these drills and everything, and, and they learn things and, and they get ready for the games. Why? So that they might do well in the game, right? So they, so they might defeat the enemy. The same thing should apply to us. Do we read God's word? Do we study so that we are prepared for battle? Are we prepared to tell us about, about God? 
He's provided us uh, with his word to equip us for service. John 21, verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my lambs. And he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Shepherd my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. You know, I've, I've read those verses many times before, and, and, and yet I read it again, and I got something different out of it, something, something new and, and encouraging out of it. You know, what was Jesus saying? What, what was his first question? Do you love me? <laughs> Do you love me? Do you love me? He said it three times, right? Now we know that Peter denied Jesus three times, and, and a lot of times we kind of associate with that. We realize that. But I think there's also a, a reference back to that command where God says, you shall love me with everything, with all you have, 100%. If you love me that much, you'll do these things. You'll, you'll be a witness. You'll tend my sheep. But the first thing you got to do is you got to love me, right? He didn't... Jesus didn't say, hey, go out there and tend my sheep, and then when you're done tending my sheep, then you can love me. Or then you can do other things. No. Priority one, love me. Right? Do you love me? Love Jesus first. Give him your whole life. And then take care of his sheep. Romans 8, verse 28 says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. James 2, verse 5 says, Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and the heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? You know, there's, there's great advantage to knowing and, and obeying the Lord Jesus. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says this, We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Very important, isn't it? How do we love God? We have got to have that capacity for love. We've got to stop being selfish. And I'm not accusing you. I'm just saying, in my own life, I have got to stop being selfish. I've got to stop saying, you know what? I've got to worry about myself. No, I shouldn't be worrying about myself. I should be worried about other people. I should be taking care of other people. I should be focused on, on their lives, knowing that without the Lord, they're going to end up in hell. And who wants that for anybody they know? I don't care who they are. We shouldn't want anybody to end up in hell. We love because he first loved us. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says this, <clears throat> and working together with him, this is a, 2 Corinthians 6, 1. And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you, and, that, and on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, right now, I urge you, I beg you, to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. This very minute, this very hour, 
Why? Because we don't know when Jesus comes back. We don't know when that, that open door will be slammed shut. We don't know. But it'll be too late then. You know? It's important that, that we realize that God's word is truth and that we need him. We need his salvation. Giving no cause for offense in anything that, that the ministry will not be discredited, but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprison, imprisonments, in tumults, or you know, troubles, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers and yet true. You know, people are going to think all sorts of things about you. It doesn't matter, right? Don't worry about it. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. You know, to know Jesus Christ, your Savior, will make you as, as the, the richest person in the world. You know what? That's, that's all wealth. That's, that's all importance. That's, that's, that's the treasure, right? If every, anybody wants treasure in this life, it's knowing Jesus is your Savior. That's the, that's the best thing you can have. There's nothing better than that. You can't take gold with you. When you die, it's, it's staying right wherever you left it, right? Or somebody else is going to run off with it. It definitely won't be yours. You can't take it with you. Yet making many rich as having nothing, yet possessing all things. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. Verse 12. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. This, this verse probably means more to me than any, any other verse I've read in a long time. Why? Think about it. You are not restrained by us. In other words, you, you aren't restrained by, by Paul's conviction to, to witness to you and to preach to you and do all those things. All those things. You are restrained in your own affections. Who do you love? What do you love? That's what life, life boils down to, doesn't it? Who do we love? What does God say? You shall love me. You shall love me with, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Who do you love? Let's close in prayer. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for just your many blessings. And we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for your salvation that you've offered for us, you, the forgiveness of our sins through faith in Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for going to the cross for us, for laying down your life out of love for us. God, you know that we have sins, and, and we have sinned, and, and, and we constantly fall short. We're, we are just so thankful that you don't count those sins against us because anybody who's put their faith in Lord Jesus has those sins paid in full. That now we are righteous, now we are holy, now we are perfect before you. In your eyes, we are forgiven, we are cleansed. Thank you for this time together. And I just pray that you'd be with each one here this morning. I pray that there's anybody here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, that they would accept Jesus as their Savior right now. That they might have eternal life. And they might have a new life, a better life, a wonderful life, the best life. We give you thanks for these things now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.